Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. We don't usually recognize our most obvious business expertise. It's so natural to you often that you don't realize that people will pay you for it. Today on episode 529 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with business coach and stay-at-home mom entrepreneur, Kat McLeod. I'm going to ask Kat how to think differently about yourself so that you can find your niche that will satisfy you and put money in your bank account. Find out more about Kat along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at yoursitehub.com. Now let's welcome Kat McLeod. Kat is the creator of Pinpoint Your Perfect Business, the proven framework for pinpointing your perfect niche for a high-profit, high-purpose, and high-pleasure business while staying mom first. Kat, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Kat, you started your first business 20 years ago, and financially it was quite successful, yet you got out of it. Why? I hated it. That's the bottom line. I was making multiple six figures at the age of 22. It enabled me to buy my first home in expensive Los Angeles at the age of 23, yet it did not feel meaningful. I was ashamed of my business and I did not feel like I was living a purposeful life. Okay. You got to tell me more. Like, like, why didn't you like your business? Like most people age 22 making multiple six figures, being able to buy a home in Los Angeles at age 23, most people would really want to be able to do that. I hear you, David. And my business was a men's fetish business. Now it was fun the first six months and I'll go backwards a little bit. I actually first started as a dominatrix. I answered an ad in a Los Angeles, I think it was the LA Times newspaper, and became a dominatrix. Again, that was fun for about six months, and I got really burned out. So I decided to niche down to what I most enjoyed or slash tolerated. I believed that I would have to get a quote unquote normal job for the first time in my life because this was about five to 10% of my dominatrix practice and the opposite happened. My business exploded. I more than doubled my already high rates and I started making multiple six figures at age 22. And that's how I learned that the riches are truly in the niches. Mm, Okay, so you went into a niche because you thought that you'd find something that would be a little more tolerable to you, not because you wanted to make more money. Yeah, I thought I was going to lose money. I thought this was only going to be a 5 to 10% supplemental income. I knew nothing about business at the time. As we <laughs> both mentioned, I was about 21, 22, and it was about 5 to 10% of my practice. So I assumed I would make that amount of money. And instead, it drew in an, an entirely different clientele, a clientele that was not into BDSM domination, just into a fetish a fetish that was really easy, did not take a lot of energy, and I did not hate it. Interesting. And so how many hours a week were you working after you went into this niche? Definitely not full-time. So whatever a normal full-time job of 40 hours, it it was like 20 hours or less a week. 
fascinating. And you said you you didn't hate it so much. I did not hate it. The first six months, I really liked it. It was felt insanely easy to be making that much money, barely doing anything. For real, like my clients would buy me like fancy shoes. I would model the shoes. They would lick my feet. I don't want to go too into detail because I don't know if you want that for your podcast listeners. And it was extremely easy work. It just was after six months or a year, it did not feel meaningful. So there was nothing wrong with the work. If you're into that stuff, like really personally, it would be a dream job. It just wasn't the dream job for me. Okay. All right. So, So you clearly learned some lessons about business going through this. Yes, I learned that not to be afraid to niche down really deep and that there is a lot of money when you own a certain piece of business and you really step into that expertise and become known for that. And I carry that forward to this day. So 20 years later, I still help people pinpoint their niche and I'm niched into niching. I'm known for pinpointing people's niche and it's been my superpower for the last 13 years. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. Now, now, given trends in business due to technology and globalization, how important do you think it is to have the niche really narrowed today when it's so easy for anybody to be a competitor with anybody else, almost in lots of different kinds of businesses all over the world? I think it is essential because going broad just does not work any longer. Going really deep and narrow and owning a piece, just a piece of the puzzle is really where the riches are. I've heard of people niching into a specific kind of program, like something I never even heard of. So something called like Squeeter or something. And this man is making seven figures on this program I never heard of. So this is just one example of how owning a specific piece of all the information out there can bring you the success that you want with so much more ease instead of trying to do a ton of stuff that's falling on deaf ears. Right. Now, I know that a lot of people have great difficulty with the concept of they think they're giving up a lot of business by going into a very Mm -hmm. narrow niche. And so for a lot of people, it's counterintuitive to do this. Yet I've also seen how people that have, have gone narrow have done way better. What are some of the, I don't know, some of the principles to being able to, A, have the right mindset to be able to do it and then B, employ some some basic strategies to get to this place where you're going to be able to go deeper. Okay, I love talking about this. <laughs> One of the most common I'll call them traps. I call them mom traps for my clients, but I'll call them traps is believing that you want your offer to appeal to everyone. And if you niche down, you are going to actually eliminate clients and impact. And the exact opposite thing is actually the truth. The more deep you go, the more you're actually going to draw clients to you and the more impact you have. When you have a generalized niche that's falling on deaf ears, you're impacting no one. So one of the easiest ways to do this is to break down all of the different ideas that you offers that you're offering, like the people that you want to serve, what you want to give to them and really break it down. Now, I love profit. As we've shared, I started my entrepreneurial experience in with high profit businesses. Profit is super important. And then I added in two other P's, 
purpose is essential. If you only have profit without purpose, then you will be burned out and hating your business. Just like myself, just like the adult industry people that I moved into entrepreneurship 13 years ago, which I guess we did not touch into, but that's what I did. And that's how I started doing this full time as a business coach. And you need to add in that purpose piece. And then I also add in pleasure with my busy moms because being a mom is a lot of output. So that pleasure is important for a sustainable business too. And one of the ways I do this is by breaking down all of those offers and really looking at them from a profitable standpoint, a purposeful and pleasure. So I'll give an example. One of my clients, Yolanda, came to me after a year and a half trying to get a successful online business on her own. And she was offering way too many offers, not signing clients because her audience was super confused. Luckily, she was at her wits end. She trusted me and we niched her down to Dubsado, a specific software program that helps service-based providers. And the reason I want to bring that up is because we're talking about one software program. She had to let go of all these other things that she was great at and just niche into this. And guess what? Within three weeks of us signing on together, she got her first paying client. Two weeks after that, her second, then her third, then her wait list. And we're talking clients that pay thousands of dollars per person, not that low level work that she was also offering in the hundred dollar point of view. We niched her down and we call her the Dubsado bestie. So she is so known and she gets referrals. It's very clear what she does. And she owns that piece of the market. Now, is there a risk when you niche down like that, that if something changes, your business is going to suffer really quickly? Like let's say that software disappears or there's a major change in, in the way the software works. It's not her software. She doesn't have control over it. She still has her other skills. And I assure people that when you learn how to do business, that you can pivot. So pivoting is part of business, in my opinion. Niching down is something that you own now and you're able to pivot it. So people who are afraid to niche because they are afraid they're going to be married to their niche for life can be assured that that's not the case. I started out business coaching, helping women transition out of the adult industry into high profit entrepreneurship. And now I work with business busy moms using the same framework. I've been able to pivot as my life pivots, and I'm sure I will pivot again when I'm not a full-time mom. And that business knowledge will always be with me. And it all started with my fetish business 20 years ago. So you can see how these are very different businesses, yet the structure and the strategy of them is all the same. So I'm not worried at all for her that she's niched into this field because if anything were to take the place of it, she would be able to learn that and pivot into that. Right. Now that makes sense. Kat, are are these techniques most prominent for digital businesses? I actually am new online. So I spent 12 years helping women and men 10 years ago, but I've exclusively been working with women for the last decade, start real life businesses. So to answer your question, absolutely not. I'm just joined online in 2018. So now a lot of my clients are online business owners, but up until then we started mainly real life businesses like gluten-free baking for 
baby showers and birthday parties, like very high end to a specific kind, a law consulting for immigration law that needs to be done in the Los Angeles area. Businesses all in different fields that were in real life, what I call my real life businesses offline. Fascinating. What what might be some examples of some niches that people might find quite unusual? I don't know about unusual. I take the skills of people that I work with and we develop that into a high profit, high purpose business. So for instance, one of my clients spoke fluent Japanese. She's a beautiful blonde, blue eyed, yet she spoke Japanese perfectly. And she loved touring people around sunny LA. She was proud of her city and she loved it. So we combined these two to start a VIP Japanese tour company. And it's been successful and it's been highly pleasurable and profitable for her. So this is one of those real life businesses that combine those talents. Then it can be as simple as one of my moms started a healthy meal prep service for busy moms in her neighborhood. So this is another example of an offline business that was used in the community and it utilized the skills that she was already doing. So she already meal prepped one day a week and she just expanded that to scale up to a new level. So she still was working one day a week, but bringing in that extra income to her family. And then my people online often replicate their corporate salary or they bring their offline skills and those are their new online niche. So one of my clients brought her offline skill online and now she works 10 hours a week to replicate her salary when she was managing a law office. Fascinating. Kat, how much do niche businesses depend upon the skills and experiences of one person? Very dependent. That is something that your niche has to be something that you can truly stand in your expertise at. A huge mistake that I see people making when they want to start a business, usually online, is to try and learn a new skill, believing that they need to learn a new skill, such as website design or funnels. Now, if you want to learn this because you innately do, go for it. And if you're learning it to start a business, then that's a trap because when you learn something new, you are not an expert. What winds up happening is that you do a ton of work for free for testimony and you still don't stand as an expert because you're not. You're a beginner. The best way to start niching is to really have a great look at your current skills and match them to an audience you have access to and see which ones are going to be profitable and purposeful to you. And then you add in that pleasure piece. This is really difficult to see on your own. This is where my superpower of helping people niche comes into play. And if you're doing it and you're trying to list it out, you just have to do the best you can on making sure it's high on the profitability index and that you feel good about that skill and turn that into your new new niche. Kat, why do you think it's so hard to do on your own? Because we don't usually recognize our most obvious business like expertise, you don't, it's so natural to you often that you don't realize that people will pay you for it. This is very common. That's why, okay, one of my one of my newest clients, 
she fell into the classic mom trap. She learned online uh, website design. And here's the truth. I looked at her stuff and it wasn't up to snuff. It was not going to bring in the high revenue of a really high-end website design. And so we broke down her skills. And guess, she had a master's in music. She had 12 years of music editing. She played in the orchestra for like 20 something years, but she was told by other employers that this would never get her anything. So she discounted it. We played into this niche of hers, this natural skill. And now she's doing podcast editing and making uh, custom made music for podcast. So this is how she took her natural skill that she did not think was going to be able to be parlayed into a business. And now it is her new business. And I brought up my gluten-free baker. She also tried to do a whole different kind of business that was not going to work. And we broke apart her skills and she learned how to make high-end cakes from her mom. She had no idea that this could be turned into a successful business. We niched her into gluten-free baking because her mom and sister both have celiac disease. And in Los Angeles, people will pay a high-end premium dollars for gluten-free baking for their kids, birthday parties, and baby showers, especially if they have this allergy. Yeah, no, it's really hard to see this stuff on your own because what we're really good at, we just think is easy. Exactly. <laughs> I brought up the person who does Dubsado when she got her, I think it was her second paying client who was paying her thousands of dollars. She's like, Kat, I cannot believe people are paying me so much money for this. It's so easy. And I burst out laughing because I am so not techie. I have no idea how to set up Dubsado. I have no idea how to set up most tech things. And I laugh because that is how you know it's the perfect business for you. It's easy for her. She had been doing it at work, setting up these I don't know, these client management tools, and they are not easy for other people. This is a good niche for you, something that comes really, really easy and it is valuable to someone else. Kat, why are you focused now on staying stay-at-home moms? Because I identify with being mom first. So when I say stay-at-home mom entrepreneur, I mean a mom that wants to be mom first. And that means being able to drop off your kids at school and be mom when school is done and be able to be present and spend time with them and own your own successful business. So I create businesses that are high profit and high purpose. So they fit in between the school day hours that allows you to still be mom first. So that's how I now niche into stay-at-home mom entrepreneurs like myself. As I said, I'm not afraid to pivot when I no longer identify with being mom first, then I'm open to pivoting my business in a different direction. I know that that is a natural evolution of business. And when you niche down, it is totally cool to pivot later on. Sounds good. How well do you think these same principles will work for stay-at-home dads? 
they'll absolutely work. <laughs> They're the same principles that for any, for almost any business is to pinpoint your perfect business idea to make sure it's going to be profitable and purposeful from the very start. Make sure you have access to your audience so that you're not trying to find clients. Make sure you have access to an audience that you are marketing towards. Then command your premium profit. Make sure that you are charging a good amount of money. Like looking back, I told you I over doubled my original rates in my fetish business, over doubled. And looking back, I can know I still left money on the table. And bottom line, this is the meaty piece is to craft the right offer. Actually craft an offer that your audience wants to buy. A huge mistake is crafting an offer because you want to offer it and you think it sounds great and you think people might buy it. No, craft the offer that they, your people want to buy. And how do you know? You ask them. Absolutely. Kat, what's your dream for your business? Where do you want it to go? I love my business where it is right now because I love doing my one-on-one courses. I'm opening up a mastermind in April and I have a digital course. So this feels really great for me right now while my son is in first grade. When my son hits middle school and he doesn't need me as much, then I plan on scaling my six-figure business to a seven-figure business. Sounds great. Kat, if someone wants to learn more about anything we've talked about today, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to go? You can find me at sahmentrepreneur.com. That's short for stay at home mom entrepreneur.com. And on there, I have the four key steps to pinpointing your perfect business as a busy mom. Uh, That's great. So I want to thank you so much, Kat, for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been business coach and stay-at-home mom entrepreneur, Kat McLeod. Thank you again, Kat, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to find your niche in order to build a business of profit, purpose, and pleasure. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.